Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another episode. And today I want to talk about something that I call emergency room financial planning. And it's uh, something that really deserves some attention. I was talking about this with an associate. And I was doing a little bit of whining (laughs) about a uh, person that had called our office pretty much in a panic. And this isn't a one-off. This happens, quite frankly, a lot. And it goes something like this. My accountant just told me that I'm going to lose 20% of the sale of my real estate to capital gains taxes. And, you know... um, I was told that an investment advisor might be able to give me some options so that I don't have to pay all this money in tax. Is that right? Can you help me? Oh, sure. Yeah, you're right. Uh, There's a number of things that you can do to uh, help offset the gains or defer the gains when it comes to capital gains tax. You can sell other assets that might have losses and use those to offset the gain. Uh, You might be able to do an installment sale where you can take the, um, the proceeds over time, and that lowers your bracket, your capital gains bracket. You could do a 1031 tax deferred exchange where you don't have to pay the, the tax right now. You can keep what you would have sent to the government working for you for a period of time. You could uh, do um, a 1031 exchange into a private REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust or a Delaware structured trust. You know, there's a number of things that that a person can do. Even sometimes selling the property really doesn't solve the problem. When you drill down, you find out, why why do you want to sell? What's going on? Sometimes it's like, I'm so tired of dealing with this real estate. I just want out of it. Oh, well, there might be other options like property management. Oh, really? Or refinancing, where you pull your cash out. Let's just say they, you might need cash for some other venture. Sometimes you can put a mortgage on it and not have to pay the tax on it right then. Or lease the property out. Or, you know, there's just a number of things. So, you know, in this case, I'm rattling off all these options. And then I asked that $64,000 question. Um, when is your sale close? <laughs> Tomorrow. Oh, uh, do you have any time this afternoon you can work me in? No. Nope, I can't work in this afternoon. And I can't help at all. You know, maybe if this was three months or six months down the line, maybe I could have uh, helped you out. So it was just too late, you know, in... Uh, emergency uh, room jargon, he was DOA dead on arrival. So it goes back to that old adage that an ounce of profession 
or prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, you know, we kind of know that, just like we know a lot of things, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean we act on that. And when I was uh, writing an article on this some time ago, I looked at, uh, at modern healthcare. And they said that 60% of all the visits to the emergency room in 2017 were preventable. So I thought, eh, probably when it comes to financial emergencies, I don't know what percent may be preventable, but I'll bet it's a whole lot higher than 60%. Because for the most part, we know that financial uh things are going to happen. We know dates are going to happen. You know, some things have deadlines. Some financial uh, triggers have a deadline. We know they're coming. You know, like a sale of a property, like the date of retirement. There's others that we know someday it's going to happen, but we don't know when. Or they could be the crisis. For example, I had a client who did have to retire because of a accident that happened that disabled him and boom he was retired so but we know at some point in time we will quit our job or we will no longer be able to work i mean high probability unless of course we we uh, die prematurely and we even know Dying prematurely is a possibility, right? If I'm alive today, I can prepare for a premature death. So these are all things we, we really need to look at addressing and wonder why we don't. You know, waiting a month before we retire to decide how we're going to take our any retirement uh, distribution, whether we're going to take the survivor's benefit package, and are we going to take the 100%, the 75%, the 50%, the five-year certain, the 10-year certain, you know, all this lingo that I'm not going to get into. It can be kind of problematic if the event is happening real soon. Same with how do we take Social Security? When do we file for that? There's a lot of things that fall into this category. Marriage, you know, we probably know, most of us probably knew, the date of our marriage. A divorce settlement or the pending uh, date of divorce. Paying off our mortgage. Sometimes we're in complete control of doing that. Do we prepare for that? Do we look at all the planning aspects of that? A college tuition. You know, we know when our kids are going to turn 18. So selling a business, buying a business, all of these that have foreseeable deadlines. You know, and some of the things that maybe we can't foresee would be a sudden death, would be a disability, uh, a lawsuit. You never know when you're going to get hit with a lawsuit. But when you're hit with a subpoena on a lawsuit, time to plan is over, just like a death, just like a disability. But prior to that, there's a ton of planning that can be put in place to help protect your uh, assets, especially from a frivolous lawsuit. Being fired from a job, boom, that happens immediately. Can you prepare? Yeah, absolutely. This is what an emergency fund is for. 
to prepare for that sudden loss of a job. Same with natural disasters. All of them require planning. You can do things to prevent those by drafting wills and trusts and durable powers of attorney, incorporating a business, having the proper insurance, asset protection planning, prenuptial agreements, tons of things that can be done to prepare. So that my point of all this is most financial crises that I see are completely preventable, right? So the key is to go into action before it happens. So that really kind of takes us down to why do I put off taking action? I mean, I mean, ask 10 people, should you plan for? Should you take action before? And probably nine out of 10 will say, well, of course you should. My favorite shooting word. Just like, you know, Ask 10 people if exercise and diet are important. Probably nine will say yes. Ask 10 people if you should uh, spend less than you make. If that's important, nine out of 10 will say yes. And yet we know the statistics show probably only two or three out of 10 people worry about their diet and do exercise. And only two out of three people actually save money and save for retirement. So. We need to know why we don't plan. Why do we put it off? Why do we procrastinate? And I would suggest that procrastination is emotional. It's not real typically cognitive, is it? We push it off, push it off, push it off, push it off. And uh, like Recently, I had a podcast where we talked about the fact that not doing a will, you know, we're pushing off that pain. We're pushing off the emotional baggage of dealing with our mortality with the thought that it's more painful. Well, probably not the conscious thought, but the bottom line thinking, this is going to be far less painful for whoever I leave behind to deal with than it's going to be for me to have to deal with. So, you know, why do do we put this up? And just to kind of show how emotional this is, I once had a client, he was a business owner in his 50s, very sharp, very sharp man. And his planner had said, you know, you need to contribute several thousand dollars a month to your retirement plan so you can retire. So you can retire. So you can retire. So he did, he'd write the check out and he'd put it on his dresser. And the next month he'd write the check out, put it on his dresser. <laughs> and he did this every month. And his uh, planner called him at one time and said, you know, we haven't seen anything come. He says, oh yeah, I've been writing them out every month. Well, where are they? They're on my dresser. I got a stack of them you got to send it in. It's like, well, I never know when I might need that, you know, when we have a business dip or something. So I've, I've just put them on my dresser. Now, imagine hearing this. This would seem to be a very illogical behavior, right? And my first reaction internally was, yeah, <laughs> you got to send them in. 
But knowing that every financial behavior makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying belief, I, in one of my rare cases of really being connected and, and in the moment, I said, what does retirement mean to you? And he kind of sat back in his seat. He says, wow, nobody's ever asked me that question. He thought, he says, you know, it means I die. I thought, huh. And he's actually, uh, I've, I've had two, two people give me that, that same uh, explanation. And I asked him, well, tell me more about that. And he said, well, every male in my family, my uncle, my father, every male that I knew of growing up, when they retired, they were dead within two years. And so as I think about it, retiring means, oh, I'm going to be dead soon after I retire. So why would I want to retire? I'm not ready to die. So to him, retirement didn't mean moving into another phase of life. It didn't mean 30, 20, 10, even five years of not having to work for an income. It meant the end of life. Wow. Did it? I mean, it's completely clear why a person may not want to retire if it means death. So I suggested to him that retirement could be refrained. That maybe retirement could mean that you get to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want. And once uh, he was really able to internalize that, he started making two and a half times the contributions that he'd been writing up, putting on, on his desk and actually sending them in. So what was blocking him from taking action was a real a deeply held financial trauma that it means death and he wasn't ready to die. So there's a lot of these reasons that block us from taking action. We like to throw all these into uh, procrastination, but I think it's uh, much more specific than that. Here's some of the things that come up to me. Because, you know, if I haven't done a will, I haven't uh, prepared for my retirement, I haven't taken a look at planning for asset protection for my business or my assets or whatever it is, what is hindering me. And the first one is just, I want to avoid it. Why do I want to avoid it? What are the feelings behind avoiding it? A self-doubt that I'm not capable of this. I'm not capable of understanding it. A fear of pain involved in looking at whatever I need to look at. Maybe it's a power of attorney in case I am uh, incapacitated. Just anxiety around whatever the task is. Anxiety about going into to motion. Or depression. Maybe I'm retiring and I'm not really happy about retiring, but for whatever reason I have to and I'm just depressed. And it's really hard to go into action. Um, I'm, maybe I'm deeply angry about it or deeply fearful of it. Or maybe I have fear of asking for help. I just know that I'm going to be condescended to. I may have messages that asking for help 
isn't okay because I should know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, maybe it's a lack of trust. I just don't feel I can trust attorneys, accountants, financial planners, wh whoever it may be. So I just avoid. In uh, money scripts, we have uh, one of the major categories of money scripts is money avoidance. Please just want this to go away so I don't take action. Another one is perfectionism. This can be fear, fear of failure. I'm not going to do it right. I'm afraid of being criticized. And that criticism is interesting because it's both internally <laughs> and externally and often more internally by parts of ourselves. Third uh, that I came up with is ambiguity. Just lack of clarity about the task, feeling overwhelmed by it, just uh, a difficulty in prioritizing. In the absence of a crisis, the nice thing about a crisis is that it gets in our face so that we typically have to do something. So it can be hard to go into action without that. You know, another thing that really gets us is being focused on immediate tasks that are getting our attention. And those big A priorities fall into ambiguity because they're not shouting to us loudly. Fourth is uh, narcissism, overconfidence. I can do this at the last minute. It's not a big deal. I can get it done. This is also kind of uh, that need to have chaos or pressure or uh, adrenaline to go into motion, to focus on everything else, a feeling of being fully alive and uh, taking charge. Another one, which is uh, probably not necessarily emotional. It's physical issues. I'm sick. I am sick. I'm fatigued. And I just don't have the strength to go into action. Lack of knowledge could be another one. You know, it's kind of like uh, not knowing what we don't know, you know. Just not having a clue. Wow, I didn't have a clue that you needed to do that. And typically, in this case, we don't, we may not have the necessary support in our life. We're unsure how to get help, where to go for help, unsure about the information. You know, I think one of the cool things in the age of Google is that we can put in about any question we have and find some information on it. But a lack of knowledge will stop us. And then financial, again, not an emotional issue but just not having the funds to take action. Maybe knowing exactly what we need to, to do, but not having the funds that we need to take action. So these are all resolvable issues. And I think the really important thing to do is to really, you know, if there's something that needs to be done in your life, that isn't getting done, isn't getting done. You know you need to do it, it isn't getting done. It's just to, to, to sit and identify what's really going on. What am I afraid of if I went into action? What am I afraid of? What do I fear is going to happen if I fill in the blank? That often uh, gives a some, some knowledge. Another thing you might try would be the, uh, the 
money dialogue. In other words, take, uh, take the event and maybe it's retirement and maybe you're, you're just not going into action around retirement or whatever it is. And have a dialogue with it. Say, you know, you can start the, the conversation out. Why, why am I so afraid of you? And then you flip and you are that event and you answer, well, because of this, of this, of this. And then you flip and then you write your response to that. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's a form of a gestalt technique called the empty chair. And it can be incredibly powerful at drilling down to see what is at the root of this inaction. And don't be surprised. If you really hang with this, if you really hang with this and you ask yourself, so when when has this happened before in life? When maybe did this behavior start? That so much of this could can be tied back to a childhood event. It's really, really amazing. And, you know, it might uh, be helpful in getting some assistance to do that. It's not necessarily easy to do by yourself. One reason that uh, financial therapy can be uh, powerful, and uh, especially uh, IFS-informed financial therapy. So hopefully this has been helpful. Uh, Helpful, you know, I'm hoping just to pique your interest if you've got some uh, incompletions out there. There's an exercise that I give. Maybe, Maybe we'll have a podcast on it someday called the incompletion exercise that just looks at everything in your life that is incomplete that is hanging out there to be done and it's not getting done and these things also can just suck the energy out of us because we spend (laughs) as much emotional energy worrying about them that I need to I need to I need to that probably could be funneled into going into action as well all right thanks so much for joining me and we will talk with you next time take care thanks for joining me rick kaler for another episode of financial therapy it's not just about the money this is where i combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them remember every financial behavior whether it appears illogical to you or others makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs feelings and thoughts Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.